Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription, trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of bounds. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies of Bourbon show. Uh, I'm going to try not to get my Daniels confused. I don't know. The more I drink, the more confused I may get. But I, I think I'll be able to keep it straight. Uh, but it is a pleasure. And and Daniel Spivey, the head of brand development for Broad Branch Distillery, uh, is on with us. And he's shared, uh, shared a few bottles. We're going to share a few pours. And if you don't know this distillery, by the time we get done, uh, you'll be more familiar with it. And uh, you definitely need to get to know it. Now, great stuff you got here. Cheers, Daniel. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having us on. Um, we're, we're definitely a small kind of boutique uh, distillery out of Winston-Salem. So we're, we're slowly picking up a bit more brand recognition as more folks like you um, stumble upon our spirits. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think some of the stuff we're putting out uh, hangs with anything out there, you know, and as we get more age on some of our whiskeys and rums, um, things are just getting better. Yeah, sure. So in, in Winston Salem, North Carolina, again, I believe you guys are j- downtown, like on trade street, right in the middle. We of are, there. we, yeah. we're right downtown, right downtown in the old big Winston tobacco warehouse. Um, it's been converted over into a sort of small to medium sized business complex. And currently we're right next door to a wonderful brewery called Fiddling Fish Brewery. Um, our other, the neighbors on our other side are Sunshine Energy Drink, another uh, Winston-Salem local company. And then uh, we just have a, a CBD company open up in the business complex. So um, nice. there's a lot of sort of fun slash wellness things happening in our business area right now. Yeah, I haven't haven't had a chance to get by. I was checking some pictures out online. Looks like a really really awesome looking facility there. So looking looking forward to getting up and, uh, yeah. and doing this in person next time, man. So, yeah. So uh, before we get into the distillery itself, uh, how Daniel Spivey get into uh, get into whiskey? Um, you know, I fell in love with whiskey via the like craft cocktail resurgence in, in America, I think years and years ago, I was in DC and my now wife then uh, then girlfriend wanted to go out and do some nice cocktails. And I never really drank anything other than like basic rum and Cokes or gin and tonics and things like that. So we ended up at, uh, Jose Andreas who owns Haleo, um, owns a restaurant called bar mini or mini bar with a bar attached to it called bar mini. And they do a lot of molecular gastronomy kind of stuff when it comes to cocktails. We sat down and did a tasting there and my mind was blown. I had no idea you could do these kinds of things with alcohol or you can get these kinds of flavors with alcohol. So, um, my somewhat obsessive personality when it comes to hobbies, I went deep down a cocktail rabbit hole and, you know, started buying every book I could get my hand on, like the aviary book, the death and company book, PDT's book, like all, all the big cocktail books, like immediately just tried to consume 
as much information as possible. And I very quickly realized whiskey cocktails were the things I enjoyed the most. Um, so I decided to, you know, for the first spirit category, I wanted to like really get in depth with, um, I chose whiskey and I still haven't stopped learning about whiskey. Uh, yeah, I just, I just went down that rabbit hole and I think similar to a lot of American Americans period as, as whiskey drinkers, um, bourbon was my first whiskey love. Um, that kind of opened the door to everything else. And I moved into rye and then kind of secondary market and stuff got completely bonkers on American whiskey. So I was like, let's figure out. Yeah. I was like, let's figure out what's going on with single malt and the other world whiskeys. So I started going deep down that rabbit hole. Um, and then luckily as I was getting ready to, uh, retire from the air force, um, the folks at Bra branch gave me a great opportunity to come on and help them out and it's just been it's been a blast working with with the guys there at the distillery for the last year and a half yeah awesome well thanks for your service by the way sir much appreciated absolutely oh, i appreciate that yeah and uh, so tell us a little about what we're going to be tasting as we're chatting through so we've got the frank's reserve we've got rye fidelity uh, we've got two, uh, two expressions. We've got the 90 proof and then we've got the 107 and then we've got the Bob and the bond, which I'm excited to talk about the, uh, uh, I think Bob Timberlake. Is that the artist that did the, uh, did the Boykin on there? It wow. is. It is. Um, Boykin's a, a great brand. Um, I'll start with Frank's and then we'll get in. We can get into the other ones. Frank's is by far it's the one spirit we're going to taste today that doesn't fit into like a normal spirit category. It's not a bourbon. It's not even legally a whiskey, but it does taste like bourbon. Um, and we get a lot of people that ask us, well, why didn't you just do a bourbon instead? And we do have a bourbon. I absolutely love our bourbon, but we can't produce our bourbon because we focus on distilling our products. Uh, we can't produce our bourbon and put it in a bottle at an age statement. We want to sort of be at that sort of 36 to $38 price point. Uh, we just, we can't get the grain cheap enough. We can't get bottles cheap enough. We can't get labels cheap enough to be able to hit that price point. And if, if you can't hit that price point as a distillery, uh, it's really hard to get a bottle on a bar shelf if you want it used in cocktails. So we, we came up with the idea to do Frank's, uh, it used to be known as Nobilium. We changed the name of that at the beginning of this year when we did a full, um, re redesign on all of our packaging and labeling. Um, but Frank's, we get to it tasting like bourbon in a really fun kind of nerdy with science way. Um, so, when you look at the front of the label, it will say aged, aged NC master blend. Yep. Um, so Three what years. we do yeah, every, every barrel that goes into a blend of this is at least three years old. Um, and we always use three barrels. Uh, first barrel we use is a 53 gallon new chart oak. So we get, and a lot of the stuff you expect from a bourbon out of that barrel, all that caramel, all that vanilla. Next barrel we use is the French Chardonnay. That's a 59 gallon, so like 
a full size barrel. Um, and we, the main thing we get out of that is that that Chardonnay amplifies our stone fruit elements. So it brings the naturally occurring cherry element that's already in the spirit more into the forefront. Um, which I mean, I'm sure you got, you guys have drank plenty of bourbons, um, sort of clearly defined fruit elements tend to take a little longer than three years to pop up. Right. Um, and then the last barrel we use is Bulgarian oak, very, also a 59 gallon barrel, very, very spicy European oak. We get two main things out of that. We get some black pepper on the side of the palate. Then we get the thing we really wanted out of it was amplified baking spices. So it kicks up our cinnamon and nutmeg, a notch or two, uh, which, and then we blend all those together. Now we have something that even though it isn't a whiskey or a bourbon, it tastes like a bourbon. You can put it in your old factions. You can put it in your Manhattans. You can drink it me pour it on the rocks um and enjoy it in any of those ways i I, I gotta say we're we were pretty surprised with this one when uh when we released our bourbon kind of expected this to fall off the map as people wanted just the bourbon we still have a ton of frank's customers that come in they're like nope i'll take frank's i'm good i like that (laughs) um so it was a really pleasant surprise that uh even with the bourbon out now we can you know we still have people that are diehard Frank's fans. Yeah. If you told me that you did a riff on a, uh, on a, uh, a bottled Manhattan and an old fashioned kind of mingled together, mm-hmm. I'd say, uh, yeah, give me an ice cube and, uh, and a, and a, uh, a brandied cherry. And yeah, I would buy that for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Uh, you know, one so, thing that, that I thought was kind of unique, and we'll probably get there, and, you know, you mentioned the three barrels uh, that you're blending into the Franks Reserve. In uh, looking at your other expressions, mm-hmm. everything is single barrel as far as what I it saw. Is. It is. For for our age-stated age stuff, like if it has like a legitimate four years old, five years old, six years old on it, it's going to be a single barrel. Um, and it is that by design or is it by, or is it because we're really small distillery? I I would love to be able to take 10 barrels of bourbon. That's all four years old, small batch and bottle up and send them out. Um, We just don't have 10 barrels of bourbon that we can do that with if we want to have bourbon for next year. So we made a very conscious decision to just embrace our size and embrace what we do, what we believe we do well, which is produce, beautiful single barrels of whiskey and we just decided to wrap our our arms around that and that that's what we do um we're just not big enough to kind of not do it in a single barrel way which is i mean you're you're the first distillery probably that dan and i have talked to that's kind of approaching it this way and in in the sense of we're going to start releasing single barrels right i mean you if you you know think about some of the rum folks that are doing some unique things and and they're doing a lot of blending right i mean they're kind of coming in and you know multiple barrels etc but yeah for you all to take the um to take the approach it can't be cheap necessarily in, in the sense that you're you're single barrel uh you you, you know what's coming out and, and i guess the other part and, and maybe the question kind of following into that before we get into the rye fidelity is what's what's that process look like from a distiller's perspective in in trying to keep 
the uh, keep the flavor profile as as similar as you can. I, you know, you're going to have some uniqueness that, that's going to happen, right. depending on you know what 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 kind of weather, you know, what kind of year did you have? What's the the temperature year over year? You know, is it because in Winston Salem, right? I mean, you can have some pretty temperate winters, or you can mm-hmm. just get you know you can get dumped on with ice storms. So I mean, it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting right. that you're taking that. Well, approach. I think for us. I think for us as, as a smaller distillery and being people that really enjoy whiskey, um, I mean, you guys know how popular barrel picks are, Yep. but everyone wants barrel pick. Everyone like barrel picks are kind of like one of the last bastions of being able to get like really unique, really fantastic bottles at reasonable prices. So everything you're doing is a barrel pick, right? So, like for our distillers, it gives them a bit more freedom and they don't have to be constantly sort of worried about like, no, the flavor profile always has to be the same. It always has to be the same. Like one barrel of rye fidelity from the next barrel of rye fidelity, like you're going to know you're drinking rye fidelity, but we embrace the nature of the single barrel, which is that every time you buy a bottle from us, you're getting a new experience. So it doesn't matter yeah. if you had, if you had the last barrel of rye fidelity, when you come in to try the new barrel of rye fidelity, yeah, you're still getting the, the beauty of rye fidelity, but you're getting almost like a new different expression that you can enjoy. So there's always going to be a new story or a new experience with every bottle you buy from us. So I, I think that's fun. Right. And, and again, you do, right. I, I don't know that I would start naming off people that are kind of go, well, that may be, I guess there's, there's a few folks that are kind of going down that path, but I, I think it's, I think it's a fun way. If so, if you're, you know, you're tasting it for the first time and, and you like the profile, you like what it gives you. I, I think that's a, a, and maybe it was haphazard it, it, that it just came that way, but I think it's a really awesome way to, uh, to, to win a customer and, and to intrigue that customer into, Hey, I want another bottle. I want to know what's next. When's the new barrel coming out? When am I going to get the next one kind of thing? That that's, yeah, I think it's a great, uh, great concept. Well, I mean, for us also, um, we only have so many barrels. So, you know, this year over the course of, of 2020, we've done 12 single barrels throughout the year as age stated whiskey. So, well, you're looking at a total of four barrels of bourbon this year, a total of four barrels of rye, um, our two Boykins, uh, our super collider we released. Um, I, I might be missing something, but the barrel number for the year was, was 12 barrels. So when you think about our size, if we're only putting out 12 barrels, it makes sense to do it in a single barrel, but where it gets really fun when we start looking out at sort of like 2025, when we're going to release our age stated like single cast rums, um, we're looking at putting out <laughs> 25 plus barrels that year, not in kind of the allocation I'm going to have to do private picks with. Sure. So, you know, everything's kind of like growing. Um, but, we really enjoy being a single barrel distillery and, you know, part of it was a function of what we have available now and us embracing who we are right now, along with like, how do we keep our, our company and what we're producing interesting moving forward? Mm. 
Well, when you when I started first started ta- tasting this um, Frank's, you know, Cal, one of the things I got was not 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 like note for note, but I did get some of those like you were talking about it, some of those rum type of feel, some of those rums that we had been tasting or whatnot. Because this thing <laughs> is amazing, and it's got just some unique characteristics to it, and yeah. Awesome yeah, job. I mean, if you if you're digging into like some well, older, I would imagine, uh, yeah, if you're getting into some older age rums, I mean, I could see this one. You know, th- this would work out well, and not to to you know get get somebody. I'm just saying, but if you're going to kind of do a mixed spirits <laughs> uh, blind tasting, I think yeah. this goes really nice in in that blind tasting mm-hmm. to kind of kind of work through and, and start to pick out the nuances and the differences. So, and probably it it, it may get me. I can't lie about that. So. Well, yeah, the, the sugar cane that goes mm-hmm. into the mash on this and gets co-fermented, um, that's probably where you're getting a lot of those fun kind of rum characteristics. And then yeah. you throw those citra hops in there and you start picking up those like kind of citrus notes and some of the fruit notes that are going to come off those like those hops. Like, yeah, I can definitely see where, you know, the grain mash and then the citra hops slash sugar cane um sort of hit each other and make this wonderful like flavor composition 100 yeah. yeah. and wonderful is the key word there yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's uh that, that's really really nice so as we move into the rye fidelity so i, I want to talk a little bit about so you've already shared plenty of things that are unique in in what uh and what broad branch is doing uh, but I want to talk a little about the labels. The uh, first thing okay. in, so the, so the packaging phenomenal, uh, you, you know, so, so, you know, when it comes to fonts and things like, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's done really well. Uh, I actually like the kind of, I'm going to call kind of the cognac bottle that the, uh, rye fidelity is sitting in ish. Um, that, that, absolutely wonderful. The, you know, what kind of got me the 90, uh, yeah, the 90. Yep. So what kind of got me first off was the, um, the six year age statement on this rye. And we can talk about, you know, if we want to talk about sourcing in a minute, we can, but, but the, the thing that got me most was the transparency and all the information that you're putting on the label. And, you know, and so I, I'll say hats off to you for, you know, and for the distillery for doing that, because as a consumer, it's a lot of fun. Oh, to yeah. know, it's a lot of fun to know what we're drinking. It's a lot of fun to know where it came from. It's a lot of fun to know, you know, all, all the details that you're providing there. And I don't know, there's a lot of real estate on a bottle. And, you know, while this thing has this just beautiful uh, hue to it, it's um, that, you know, there's a lot of information that you're providing on there in the RIFI that, uh, that I, I appreciate it as someone new to the brand. Um, Kind of, I didn't. I didn't really have to go and do a lot of research, right? I can just read off the bottle. So, which is, I think, really, really awesome. So, not good, not well, great work on that. Thank you. So, transparency for me, as we were working through this this rebrand, um, was a very, it was a top priority. Um, coming from sort of the hobbyist background of being in, into whiskey and spirits and you know, you're constantly trying to figure out like what's in this bottle. How old is the juice in this bottle? Like what mash bill did they use for what went into this bottle? Where was it sourced from? Like we're, we were always asking these questions when we were sitting down to have like tastings with friends. Um, so when we went to redesign this bottle, I said, you know what, 
this is the information I need to see on the label. Sure. And I, I spent a lot of time with, with the, the graphic designers and I was like, I figure out a way to get barrel date, dump date, barrel number, proof, mash bill, where something stores from, like figure out a way to put it on the bottle and figure out a way to put it in the clearest words possible. So no one's ever confused about whether we distilled this bottle or we sourced this bottle. Like there's never going to be questions about the actual age of the bottle or what went into the bottle. Um, so it was, it was a big thing for me. Um, I, I think some of the folks at the distillery didn't didn't quite understand why it was so important, but the feedback we've we've gotten outside of like the bottles look great, the labels look great, the feedback we've gotten from the whiskey community about the transparency has been fantastic. Everyone more often than not is like, Thank you for being yeah. completely open about how you're doing this. Well the the other thing too is as you're talking, I'm I'm kind of thinking like, okay, well you know, other than other than the you know the us's, right? The the drinkers out here, the consumers are asking for it. Out, outside of that and you know you just being kind to uh, to your patrons, it's I mean we're talking single barrels here. So it's kind of important that we know which barrel was it? What, when was it? You know, there's a lot of information that otherwise, you know, you look at some of the, some of the other, um, you know, billboards that you see when you walk in the liquor store, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, you're getting, it, it's the same experience. It's the same thing. Same, you know, it, nothing, nothing has changed. Right. Other than it's right. a different bottle, everything in this one, it, not everything has changed, but there are going to be some complexities. And as I'm thinking, right. As, as, Hey, I'm, uh, as I want to become a fan of broad branch, or I want to start looking at, you know, what's, if I want to get out of the, out of the billboard stuff, I want to start branching into some of the, uh, uh, some of the craft or boutique distilleries, what's the right way to go? And I think this is a great way to do it because now I've got this bottle. Okay. Let me get or this barrel. Let me get the next barrel. Let me get the next barrel. And then we start putting them side by side. And then we can kind of start right. talking about what do we like? And when we're having conversations, we're at the distillery, uh, you know, Hey, what's, what, what'd you like about this barrel that you didn't, that you may have preferred over another one? Not, not that it was bad, but there could have been some nuances that, you know, I, it may have led me and, or it could have been the day could have been what I was having for dinner, who knows, but plenty of, things and, and information that's uh that, that's kind of noteworthy that roadmap if you will that leads you down that whiskey journey right and i think one of one of my favorite parts about this job is when we do like kind of a single barrel tasting at a distillery or for a group of people and you know more often than not the the guests that attend something like that are not they're not nerds you know they don't they don't know whether they prefer a uh, Russell's barrel from Camp Nelson or the, you know, <laughs> the other AG side, like they don't, they don't know that they've never even heard of Camp Nelson. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of those folks have no idea that like uh, two whiskeys that go into two different barrels, whether they're the exact same whiskey or not, you put them in, this, in a barrel on the exact same day, age them right next to each other and those whiskeys may not taste anything alike like most people don't realize that so kind of when that light bulb goes off in, in a single barrel tasting like once we hit like the third bottling of rye fidelity people go oh this this is why 
you tell us when a new barrel comes out because <laughs> there's a good chance it's going to be a different experience than the last barrel. Like it's always fun to see when that light goes off for people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's almost, it's the, it's the educational side of it. Right. And it, and it's not the, it, it doesn't have to be the, the, the chemical makeup and, and the, you know, the uh, I'm learning to be a chemist, but it, again, it's kind of those nuances that happen. And well, what was the year like when, you know, what, what was the weather like when this sat in, on the barrel for six years, you know, I mean, there plenty of, plenty of changes and differences there. So with the rye fidelity that's uh, that we're drinking now. So I think, mm-hmm. I know you've got stuff that you've, you've sat down. That, that's in the barrel. I think this is a source product that we're that, that we're drinking and have been drinking right out of Washington. Yes, yes. Uh, we source this from a distillery in Washington. The distiller was a fellow named Brian Mortensen. And uh, when when John Fergankis, the the founder of the distillery, and Nick DeMoss, his uh, good friend who founded the distillery with him, decided they wanted to get into whiskey. You know, they knew it was going to take them years to like be able to distill a quality product, let it age enough to be able to like be comfortable putting it in a bottle. Um, and they both preferred rye. So they started looking around the country for like some fun, unique, out of the norm kind of rye mash bills. And they landed on Brian Mortensen up in Washington. They flew out there, tasted through a bunch of barrels, bought a bunch of barrels, um, enjoyed it so much. They were like, Brian, please tell us you'll, you'll let us know how you make this and please link us up with your farmer. Um, so for the first five, six years of the distillery, um, all of our grain was coming from that exact same farm, uh, in Washington state where we're still using, uh, the exact same recipe that like all of our initial rye fidelity barrels were made with. Um, we are very hopeful that we can kind of start sourcing rye grain from North Carolina. It's the only grain we don't source from North Carolina. Uh, we recently gave about 2000 pounds of our rye that we sourced from Washington state to our local corn farmer in the hopes that the flavor profile of that grain won't shift too much. Um, and it will do well in our climate, but this is sort of a two to four year experiment where we'll be seeing what happens. <laughs> so like grain orders are going to be split between Washington state and our North Carolina far- farmer for a bit. Um, I get, you know, worst case scenario, the flavor profile shifts and we're not happy with it as a rye fidelity. So we have to do like a different rye line. New expression. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the worst case scenario with, with what our distillers are doing at, at this point in the game, I'm not worried about them, you know, using a different rye grain and being able to get a quality whiskey out the backside of that. Yeah. I guess the only thing that's quick in whiskey is drinking it, right? Everything else is uh, pace yourself. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> yeah, so we, we have this motto around the distillery, like every time we walk in and, and see the barrels that are only like four years old, You'll just, you'll hear one of us like walk by a barrel and just mutter 53 gallons of patience, 53 <laughs> gallons of patience. Uh, nice. <laughs> and that's just sort of, it's almost like a mantra to like keep us from getting like overly anxious and try like, you know, jumping the gun on whether or not we should put something in a bottle. This yeah. is a so, gorgeous yeah, rye, Cal. Gorgeous rye Thanks. right here. Yeah. yeah. Um, these notes are, they're, they're, they're defined and uh, uh, what are you getting, Cal? 
so it's, uh, you know, I, I don't get a lot of mint on the nose. I get mint on the finish, um, but it's, uh, it's vanilla, it's baking spices. I get a little bit of a, I don't know what kind of nut I'm getting out of this thing. Like toasted but I'm nut, kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if it's like, I hadn't had a chestnut in a while, so I don't want to say chestnut. Oh, but it's, yeah. it, They're coming it, up. It, They're coming up. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's it's not peanut. That's for sure. So it's it's more kind of a hard shell. Maybe maybe a walnut kind of. I can see maybe kind of a walnut that more kind of earthiness that, that the walnut has. Yeah, maybe kind of the sh- almost the shell instead of the As nut itself. To like right? some of the more. I guess kind of sweeter, buttery mm. kind of nutty notes. Mm-hmm. Mouthfeel on this is fantastic. Just mm. um, it's got that nice, thick, rich mouthfeel. Um, cinnamon stick coated with toffee. So mm. if you di- dip mm-hmm. dipped a cinnamon stick in in like some uh, in some caramel or toffee, and uh, yeah, totally totally coming in there man that uh this is this is uh real nice so uh i'm sure you guys are going to your folks are going to but um yeah looking forward to uh, some different expressions of this and so something else that i'm picking up and there's some uh so the finish on this is while i'll say it's long from a taste standpoint it is not in any way it's it is it's a 90 proofer so you know if you're accustomed to drinking a little higher proof uh there's really i'm getting some cinnamon but i'm not getting any burn whatsoever and then it's kind of backstop with a little kind of barbecue smoke on on the back end there so uh which i totally i I (laughs) tend to get more on the finish generally with these and this one's kind of hitting that note today for me um sort of coffee yep the coffee sits with me and then there there's always seems to be like a really mm. kind of light bright fruit note that like my mind generally associates with like green apples okay. um and then it sort of depends on the day like some days like i'll probably drink i'll probably have a sip of this tomorrow and instead of green apples i'll get like blackberries or like a dark berry jam element. yeah yeah, that, this is good. Yeah. I mean, now that you said coffee and it's so this is a drier drinking whiskey. And that's that's what I'm getting when you mentioned coffee. That's what I couldn't find. But that, that's what I'm finding on the on the drier note on the finish is that kind of coffee, uh, coffee pop on the back, which is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I'm still it's still going. So. So one of the things I, I love about this distillery, um, everything's non chill filtered yeah. and even even our non-age stated whiskeys, we don't chill filter a thing in the product lineup. Um, and I think non-chill filtering shines so much more at sub hundred proof. Sure. You know, like once you get over a hundred proof, there's just so much flavor happening with all, right. all those proof points that, yeah, you're going to get more texture, but if you don't chill filter, but you're still getting a ton of flavor yeah. with a chill filter yeah. thing on proof and over. But like when you're down in the nineties and the eighties, um, non-chill filtered spirits can be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So is the Rye Fidelity, is that your flagship brand or flagship offering? At the moment? Yes. Sort of this tall bottle uh you mentioned the cognac looking bottle this is this style of bottle is actually known as a genevieve bottle and it's traditionally a brandy bottle i knew that Um, 
really, if, if anything in this taller bottle, we consider it sort of premium flagship. So we have right now we have Rye Fidelity as like a normal kind of release, and then um, we have our big Winston bourbon. Um, gotcha. This is our initial release that we did at 85 starting January of next year. All standard <clears throat> releases of Big Win Big Winston Bourbon will be true bottled in bonds nice. at least four years old. Nice. Um, nice. So yeah, we did the we did the first release, so really anyone whether they wanted whether they liked bourbon or not or is their thing or not would it would be at a proof point that anyone can enjoy off this first barrel. Um, but then we got crazy on the second barrel and did a 120 proof cast strike barrel. Nice. Nice. So Cal, what was, uh, guys, what was, what was the Franks? What was the proof on that one? Uh, I believe it was 90, 90, 90, 90. Okay. And then, so you were talking about the chill filter and I'll tell you that, that, that one there was full bodied, plenty of flavor for a 90. Yeah. I was, I was blown away by it. 100%. Yeah, 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 lots of lots, lots, lots going on for a ninety proofer. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Frank's is one of the spirits of ours that I I probably drink the, the least, and it's not like a matter of I don't like it, but it's one of those things. Every time I come back to and take a sip on Frank's, I'm always like, "Wow, that's good." Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it's it, it's always it's one of those where. You know, the sum is more than its parts. One hundred percent. You know, like somehow it all just came together, and it's it's better than what went in. Yep. And the reason I was asking about the Franks was just comparing it to the rye we just had, and just you know how to gauge to gauge the you know the hotness of it and whatnot. And and it's still like you said, still tons of tons of flavor, full bodied coming in at yeah. you for that one. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's uh, so so good. What so uh, I usually say this at the end. I can't wait. Uh, where are you distributed at? Just only in North Carolina, or yes, currently we are only in North Carolina. Um, we should be in Illinois, um, probably first quarter of next year. And depending on how that goes, you might see us kind of creep out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, right now we're, we're only in North Carolina. Uh, we've had a lot of kind of bigger distributors reach out to us, but, um, we don't want to overextend ourselves, you know, give, give like, us a few years and we'll have the juice ready. Right. So, right. Yeah. Like give us a little time, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for a place to build like brick houses and stuff like that so we can really kind of ramp up production even more than what we have over the last few years um but i would say with within the next like five to ten years you'll definitely see us creeping farther and farther out of north carolina any um any online relationships uh currently uh, at the moment, no, but okay. the relationship we're establishing in Illinois will be with an online retailer that does direct to consumer. Gotcha. Um, so that's where we're going to start dipping our toes into getting outside of the state of North Carolina. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and by the way, not, not, that's not 
uh, good or bad. It just, uh, it just is. And, uh, a lot of great golf in North Carolina up in your part of the country. So, you know, while you're there, maybe playing tobacco road or Pinehurst or pine. Ne- I mean, you, you can just start going down the list of great golf courses and swing over to Winston Salem and, uh, you know, hit up, uh, hit broad branch up. So, and stop uh, in for a bottle of whiskey now that we can sell bottles on Sundays. Nice. 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 <laughs> Hey, this is Hudson Swaffer, and you're listening to Birdies and Bourbon. Uh, So are we going to go to the Boykin next, or are we going to stick with the rye now? I would say let's let's jump into the Boykin, because it's also a rye. Um... And it's a hundred proof before we jump into a hundred and seven proof stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, so you want to talk about that a little? So the outside of the Frank's Reserve, um, if you want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think everything that we're sampling, the the three of the four expressions, it's a hundred percent rye mash bill. It is. It is all you know, a little unique. Um, you don't see a lot of hundred percent rye mash bills out there. Um, Will you show your bottle? Sense. I don't know if I need to show mine or not. So you may want to show yours. Here uh, is our Boykin. So this by the actually, this is actually uh, release two of the Boykin. Yeah. Um, so so that's how I found you guys, and I think I, I want to say that uh, the Boykin Spaniel Society had posted something on their page. And I've got, I mean, Dixie, she hears me say Boykin and she's looking up at me right now. She's sitting over here in the corner and, and I'm like, well, shit, I got to get a bottle of that. I mean, it's got, got my dog on the front. I mean, it, it pretty much right. looks, looks like my dog. Um, oh, those are, you know, they're, they're uh, I think they're all related. I'm just in glad you sense, didn't go into but... snatch mode on that one. <laughs> dag how my do you dag. about a dag <laughs> leave him alone Johnny. <laughs> leave him alone he's a big fella uh no but you so, know the boykin's been go ahead go ahead well no I, I was just saying like i i had to go i had to go for it i had to reach out i had to just for for my uh, affection towards boykins i mean they're they're special uh, they are extremely special dogs. And, you know, if you're familiar with them, that's the state dog of South Carolina, but also, you know, it bleeds up into North Carolina. So uh, I'll say the state dog of the Carolinas. I may get some some hate mail over that. But, uh, yeah, spe- special dogs and looking forward to getting into this one. So yeah, this has been just a really fantastic brand partnership. Um, we we really sort of lucked out with this one. Uh one of uh, one of John Fregakis's daughters lives next door to Dan Timberlake, um, and just sort of longtime friends. And Bob Timberlake wanted to do some kind of Boykin theme spirit, and like the big the big thing for them was: can you bottle a whiskey or a spirit that makes people think of being outside in North Carolina? Um, and I, I believe we have done that. Um, I'm more than happy to get my, my tasting notes here shortly, but this is the only product in, in the product lineup right now, outside of like a true limited edition that we do sort of like our anniversary ride where 
we hand select the barrels. Um, so like when it's time to pick a Boykin, we'll pull four, five, six barrels um, and that meet sort of age requirement. And then we start tasting through them. Mm. Um, and the big thing is one of us that tastes it needs to go. This made me think of a B or C or whatever outdoor thing it is. So this specific barrel or the barrel you're tasting right now, um, I took a sip of it at cast strength and I was like, Holy cow. And yeah. They all looked at me. They're like, what are you tasting? And I was like, give me s'mores around the campfire. Then we get up and we're going to go chow on a tart green apple as we walk to the high. T- total, total green apple on the nose. I'm getting that kind of, uh, I'm going to go back kind of fair, maybe like a caramel, uh, like a uh, caramel apple. Uh, but I, I'm getting a ton of, I was going to go kind of, um, if you walked into an attack room, uh, kind of that, that leather, leathery smell in there, but I, I can totally get, I haven't tasted it yet, but I, I, I think that leather is quickly going to turn into smoke on the palate, uh, and, right. and, and then on the finish. So yeah, this is, this, it, it's, I, I know it may be, well, if you're, if you're a whiskey drinker, it's not weird to think about, uh, caramel green apples and leather in the same sense. I mean, it's like, <laughs> shit, that sounds good. Pour, hey, make it a double. <laughs> so like I'll do sort of, I'll be tasting rums with like rum, rum head friends of mine. Mm. Um, and it's always fun. Like when you're tasting like agricoles or like really, really like high Hogo Jamaicans or like some of the Marantiques when you're like, yes, this is like pineapple tires. And everyone goes, Ooh, I need to, I, I need to try that one. Pineapple tires. That sounds amazing. The rest of the world goes, I don't want to drink anything. Don't get that, that near me. Like they're like, no, get that out of here. And you're like, like, even if they're giving it away, I don't want any, what are you talking about? Pineapple tires? No, no, really guys. It provides this wonderful flavor juxtaposition that really balances the entire palate and nose out. Well, and then everyone just looks at you like you're a crazy person. Yeah. Wow. So, so I'm, I'm back to, so this is, it, this is like the finish on this one has, uh, it surprised me in a good way. Uh, most of the time I'm thinking on a lot of nose on, on rye whiskeys, I'm going to get kind of the, uh, the more, uh, which I am getting a little bit of kind of orange zesty, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if you did like a little, uh, did a coin of orange and, and did like a, a little, little, uh, expression on top of it, kind of pulling some of that the finish on this thing, what I thought was going to turn into this huge smoke leather bomb, it's turned into honey and like some minty green tea ish kind of sort of, which, which is good. I'm not complaining about it. I'm still trying to get my hands around what it is because the it's, but it's almost like I I'm experiencing what you would consider or what you would think about the normal, um, uh, the, the normal flavor profiles to be, I'm experiencing it backwards. Okay. This way yeah. Yeah. These barrels are always, they're just a blast. Um, I always enjoy them and it's one of those, I'm always sad when they're gone. Yeah. Like, I, I feel I feel like these Boykin barrels punch well above their sort of age proof point. Mm-hmm. Um, like you clearly like you know you're drinking four year whiskey, 
it's still got all those like high level alcohols that are real sort of like buzzy and sprightly in your mouth and you jump around, but you still get, you get all these wonderful kind of age notes out of it that just kind of the flavors have no business being in a four year whiskey. And you're like, what is happening with yep. the barrel? Yep. Um, yeah, these, these, these barrels are always so much fun. Yep. Yeah. That, that's, um, yeah, to be the initial so reaction for me was, Oh yeah. There we yeah, go. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that that's that's pretty damn tasty right there. It's uh, and I I get what you mean when we were talking about the Frank's Reserve and you know maybe a cocktail um, uh, a cocktail spirit and then I don't yeah I haven't tasted anything after that that I'm mixing with anything no. except for except no. for the glass. So no. Um, so I, I'm it, it absolutely impressed that you guys went for the bottle and bond, uh, which started in 2014. So, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that there's no even inkling of them going bottled and bond. I, I hope you all continue that and you keep that up. Love it. And, and I, you know, I, I like the, if you want to call it a, a resurgence that some of the other existing bottled and bonds are making right now. I mean, I, I think it's a, a great move on your part to, to uh, label that. So I will say when, when they decided to start doing whiskeys at the distillery, it was never an option to bottle a whiskey less than four years old. Mm-hmm. If it's a legitimate whiskey that fits within the legal category of what TTB says is a whiskey, sure. we were never going to put it in the bottle unless it was at the very least four years old. Like that, that, nope, not going to happen. Um, it's probably less, sort of less important with rise. Like rise just generally mature faster. I've had beautiful two and a half year old ride. That is but really, when I, really when I saw six and seven, I'm like going, where's the, like the two or the three. <laughs> yeah. We never did a two or three. Rye Fidelity actually started out as, as a five year product. And, uh, it was a little slow to catch and we ended up well to raise the age statement to six and it will never go back down. Like it's always going to be a six year older product. So yeah. Also, um, the Boykin you're drinking is Broad Branch Distillate. That's distilled in Winston-Salem. We ground that grain, cooked that mash, fermented it, distilled it, aged it, bottled it on site in downtown Winston. That's awesome. Oh, nice. That's it, awesome. Now, is, this, is this North Carolina grain or Washington grain? This is Washington grain. Washington? Okay. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, one thing, I, so I, I did, I'm picking up more mint out of this one than I did uh, the rye fidelity and you know, maybe that'll change once we get to the, uh, the one Oh seven. Uh, but I, I definitely, and it, you know, it, it, it is, it's rye whiskey, right? I mean, it, it, and I, 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 I like the mint note out of it. Yep. If I don't get it, I'm not disappointed. Uh, but I'm definitely getting more. So I, I don't know if it is, and, and you've tasted through plenty of barrels. Do you think it was this barrel that's kind of delivering versus this barrel that's delivering that mint note, or is it? Is there not a lot of mint typically in, uh, you know, in in, in the, the spirit or distilling? I I would say like mint is generally present. It's a matter of how dominant it's going to be, and that just varies barrel to barrel. Yeah. Um, and we have we have no idea when we pop a barrel how how minty it's going to be like sometimes like it's aggressively minty and we're like whoa 
whoa, this is this is a little crazy. And then sometimes it's it's somewhat subtle. It's it's more of like kind of a tertiary note instead of like a primary or secondary note in there. Sure. Um, but it's it's always present. Like we never get that sort of midwestern kind of dill note in yep. any of our stuff. Um, our kind of herbs our herbal notes in our ride tend to lean more over to the mint side as opposed to like dill, tarragon, caraway, but those kinds of notes. Um, I think for me, kind of one of the most defining flavor char- characteristics of one of our ryes, whether it's a source barrel or something that we've distilled ourselves from that Washington grain is the like almost over the top chocolate and coffee elements that like just seem to run through every barrel we produce when it comes to rye. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's prevalent and in a good way, but uh, yeah, like this is if, I hope you don't yell at me for saying this. It's, it's not a bad thing, but it's, I mean, if, if, you know, because a lot of bourbon drinkers say, well, I, you know, I, I don't I don't like rye whiskey because they just get, you know, a lot of rye whiskey. You can get overpowered with mint. You can get overpowered with this big, huge punch of spice and burn. And it just kind of kind of drags you down. And this is this is the gateway, another gateway to uh, to rye whiskey. And in, in my opinion, it's it's being right. able to enjoy rye whiskey that's kind of sitting on the fence, even though it's a hundred percent rye mash bill. So I, I like to describe our rye distillate, whether it's like the source whiskey or like the stuff we've actually distanced of two rye flavor profiles. You get the bold kind of like spiciness of like our traditional like midwestern rise like that's there and that's clear and prevalent but you also get a lot of like the nuanced sweetness that that you can expect out of your canadian rise like the alberta distiller stuff that is more honey more fruit like it'll have some mint and some herbal elements, but you're pulling up more of that sweetness. It's a so great, great description. I, yeah. I feel like our rye combines those two flavor profiles, um, and it does it in such a, a beautiful way. I, I did a double take the first time I tasted rye fidelity because rye is not within my whiskey wheelhouse and my whiskey palate. Rye is not my go-to whiskey. You know, I'm generally going to be reaching for, you know, an older bourbon, a 12 plus year old bourbon or like a really fun kind of single malt. Hmm. Like those are kind mm. of the flavor profiles that work the, the best for my palate. Nice. Uh, the first time I, I tasted our rye, like as, when I came in as a normal person that didn't work for the distillery, just to do a tasting to see what was happening in the town I was going to move to. Um it just sort of shocked me. I hadn't really tasted a rye like this before yeah. and I couldn't figure out like, did they buy these barrels from Canada? Did they buy this <laughs> barrel from a distillery in the U S like what is going on here? Um, and then, you know, once, once I started working there and I learned more about the distillery, the flavor profile makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. 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 Totally. I couldn't have, I couldn't have described it any better than, than the marrying of the two, uh, two expressions in, in, or the, or the profiles, but yeah, that's, um, so, 
So Cal, I, I did. Ha I have written Zoom for. We're on Zoom now, you know, and, and for the purposes of many of our shows, I hope you know they have, the, they have the hand raise thing, you know. One of these days, and we're gonna get like you can slap one person that just slaps them, you know. That would be great if we could do a slap feature on Zoom. You're gonna send me a slap? Yeah. He, well, he would have. He would have sent you a slap. <laughs> uh, it, it may be there. I don't know. No, it's not there yet, but it's going to yeah, be. No. <laughs> all good, this, all good. This is one of those things that it, it's so awkward because it's so subjective. Like, I taste one thing, you taste the complete opposite. I mean, no one's ever wrong when, yeah. when they tell you how something tastes or what, what they taste or what they smell. No one's ever wrong. No. Um, yeah. That's always a, a fun thing with sort of new people to spirits or whiskeys or wine or whatever it is that you're trying to analytically taste, like getting someone comfortable with their own sort of senses and sense memories when it comes to doing tasting or nosing notes, like you, it, it's always hard to get that person to the point where they realize like it doesn't matter if they say they tasted marshmallows and you say you tasted graham crackers, like both, both your notes are right. Yep. yep. I mean, there, there are days, right. You go back to your favorite pour and it's just like, Ooh, yeah, that just didn't do it for no, me today. And, and and another, it, yeah, no, let me be clear. So I, I'm, I'm joking with Cal about the slap in terms of just the differences in terms of what he's tasting your taste. We both agree that this stuff is phenomenal and we're not, it's not worth picking on. I was just picking on him from a, from a just a tasting note thing, but no, we both think it's just, these things are amazing. Yeah. He's trying to throw me off. So I confuse the Daniels <laughs> so, he can, so, he, so he can kick me off the show. That's all he's trying to do. That's all he's trying to do. I mean, I'm never going to complain about some good trash talk. Like go. good trash talk. <laughs> it's very important to like all aspects of life. 100%. So, so I'm, I'm revisiting, I, I didn't taste it yet, but I poured the one Oh seven and I wanted to go, I wanted to do a quick kind of run, run through again. And, uh, so I, I don't know, I don't think I said it earlier, but I'm, I totally missed this, um, like this maple syrup note in, I'm getting a little bit in the Boykin, but in the rye fidelity 90 proof, mm -hmm. toe maple mm -hmm. syrup maple syrup like it ju it just kind of and, and i know what's happening mean, it's the it's the proof point that's kind of probably uh you know pushing me into that maybe sweeter note if you will on the nose of this rye but a buttery toffee what was a buttery toffee on that one too right that's so i got it on the palate i didn't get it on the nose but uh yeah but this um yeah the 107 and you said uh what did you guys just barrel at uh or bottle at like what proof we barrel at well you you said this was Is 107 but you said you released a barrel proof uh, you, uh, oh so we did a barrel proof uh bourbon at 120 okay. we, haven't done, we haven't done a barrel proof or cast strength rye yet which will be somewhat challenging um I would so like when I think of the term barrel proof as opposed to the term cast strength, um, I think of barrel proof as you proofing back down to barrel entry proof. Um, and then when I think of cast strength, I think of the actual strength coming out of the cast. Yeah. A lot of our sourced rye whiskey barrels, um, we won't put those out at cast strength ever because they went in at 125 and we gained two to two and a half proof points a year. Um, 
So when you start thinking of six plus year old whiskeys that are gaining two to two and a half proof points a year, there's not a lot of people that actually want to drink sort of stuff that is either creeping on hazmat or clearly over hazmat. <laughs> right, right. Um, so uh, I, I think for kind of the source drives we've done and probably the first probably two years of rye barrels that we distilled ourselves when we were still putting those in at 125, those, if, if we do high proof expressions of them, the highest will be, will be what we view as a barrel proof, which would be bringing it back down to 125 after whatever the cast strength was sure because i've tasted rye fidelity barrels that were six years old that were over 150 and they were phenomenal and delicious and drinking like sort of low 130s mid 130s but we can't put a whiskey in the bottle at like 152 <laughs> i mean we can <laughs> but what we would have to charge for that bottle of whiskey right. and how many people would actually want to drink that 150 some some proof whiskey is a whole nother kind of story to discuss yeah sure <laughs> well uh, have a few of those and then let's get back on the show right and i mean a lot of our newer barrels and like our distillers like every batch they run and every batch they barrel like we learn something new and like everyone's sort of growing and getting better at what we're doing um a lot of our stuff like we're dropping sort of that barrel fruit that barrel entry proof on i mean right. we we did a series of bourbon barrels recently because just for the sole fact of like experimenting with barrel entry proof where we did one, one run of bourbon, which was seven barrels of whiskey and each barrel went in, each barrel had a different entry proof point. So we entered at 125, 120, 115, 110, and 105 um and then the other two i'm, I'm not sure what they did on um, barrel entry proof for those but it's you know that's the only way like we can learn sort of our rick house our warehouse our still our barrels our aging environment like we don't have three generations of experience like you know yeah. the beans and like all the big names out there that have been doing this their entire lives and their dads did it and their grandpas did it so you know we get to have fun with these experiments and just try just wild things that most distilleries wouldn't because we have to yeah yeah well and, and i mean that's the, the the benefit of being uh being craft or boutique or or not a huge distillery is you can take those liberties right i mean it's uh you got exactly. seven seven barrels so here we go Right. I mean, at, at this point, no one expects sort of like a certain product from us. Um, so like we're still at that really beautiful spot of being a young distillery that can do whatever we want. You know, like we can experiment and we can have fun. We can fail and learn from those failures. Um, and, you know, the owners just go, cool. Did, did you learn a good lesson from that failure? And we go, yes. And they're like, great. Don't do that again. What? And then they, right, exactly. <laughs> that's that. So, you know, the kind of spirit of exploration or ex experimentation or distillery is very, very strong. Um, and a lot of that comes from just being small, but 
we can't waste grain. So when we have left over grain, we have to come up with an ash bill because ordering another 15,000 pounds of grain isn't necessarily a viable right. option for us sometimes. Sure. So, you know, I have, we have one off barrels of like weird four grain bourbons. We have hundred percent wheat whiskeys. We have weeded bourbons. We have single malt. We have a ton of single malt aging right now. Oh, um, so wow. like we have high rye bourbons when traditionally we're doing like super, super low rye bourbons. Um, so kind of like the experimentation that happens at the distillery is kind of nonstop because no matter what, we have to use every raw material we, we bring in. Yeah. Awesome. So, Hey, so we're coming up on our hour, Daniel. I don't know if you got a hard stop or if we can uh, chat on for a few more minutes, if you're good to go. Oh, I have plenty of time. Oh okay. uh, no! Well, first off, first off, so Cal, back to this, back to this 150 uh, proof one. I, I think you probably could sell one of those things because Cal recently watched Cry Macho, that new Clint Eastwood movie, and he thinks he's yeah. now a cowboy. He'll like, oh, give me the 150 proof. I'll throw a cube in there, but then he will be crying macho. So there you go. <laughs> it, it, it's possible. It's it's very possible that, that could happen. Hey, uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I've bought. I've I've purchased hazmat bottles. <laughs> Just because they were hazmat, and I wanted to have something hazmat in the collection. Nice. And that was the only reason I purchased hazmat bottles. I've had them in the collection for about about three years now, and I think I've drank like a grand total of like maybe six ounces from each bottle. <laughs> well, that just means your collection's not uh, dwindling away. <laughs> it's important. I mean, there's always room for another bottle. I, I know I'm a sucker, man. I, I can't, uh, I can't pass them up. And now that I've learned a little more about what's going on at broad branch, uh, I'm like going shit, man, everything's a single barrel. I got to get on the distribution list to figure out when's the next one coming out so I can start putting them side by side. And the reason I say that Daniel though, is, I mean, in, in all seriousness, so we've gone from a 90 to a hundred to a one Oh seven understanding the Boykin is your own distillate. But but still in the same profile, right? It, it, that you guys are releasing, and I, I I'm still picking up some nuances in in each glass that I can kind of get some similarities, but everything is unique in its own right. And this 107, I don't know if it's the 17 proof points that are coming out of this thing that that's making it a little different, but it's I've just revisited leather. I'm getting uh, kind of a, a little bit of a burnt pecan pie. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's just, uh, that smokiness, that peppery cigar box. It's kind of finishing for me, the barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that, that sort of burnt pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, but not, not burnt. Like we got to throw it out, but like, no, 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 no. I yeah. want it. I, I want it crisp and crunchy on top that, that kind of caramelized, uh, right. I, I want it. I want dark Brown. Don't give me the light Brown stuff. That's still gooey. I want it like burn on top. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely get where you're going there. Like it's that sort of barrel char falling right on the top of the distillate with like the caramel vanilla wood sugars from the barrel hitting like the natural sort of like sweetness of that rye running through. Like I completely get like that sort of out. How about toasted pecan? pie crust mm. toasted that toasted probably a toasted little pecan. To like there, there we go 
There we the go. Yeah. Like, sort yes. of like a toasted pie crust. Oh, yeah. man. A- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that is there 100% so, for me. So, Cal, I can and, see you um, eating your leftover pecan pie on on the Friday after Thanksgiving, watching Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka teeing it up over in Vegas with one of these oh, yeah. things on instead of, there you go. That's it right there. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I could easily throw a big scoop of vanilla bean ice cream on there and just pour this over top of it. I probably won't pour it over top of it. I'll just drink it while I'm while I'm eating it. But yeah, I, I could totally go down that road, man. Mm-hmm. This is um, I mean, if you're gonna pour something over the top of ice cream, I we we have a blueberry whiskey that Ooh. is literally just new make bourbon with like 1,200 pounds of Eastern Carolina blueberries pressed really? right into it. Yeah, like we don't proof it down with water or anything. It's nothing but bourbon. Well. I have to say new make bourbon because it never touches wood. So it's not technically bourbon. It's just a bourbon mash whiskey uh, with fresh, fresh blueberry juice. And it's about 1,200 pounds of blueberries because like the palate fills up the back of my truck and we're like right on the edge of like what the bed of my small Colorado can handle. Nice. I'm thinking that that's going to go good in like a, uh, like a sparkling water kind of the club soda and uh, some of that. With, oh. uh, yeah. That's like it's my favorite. So my, my three favorite things with that, if, if I want to go super simple with it, I'll mix it with uh a few ounces of lemonade and a splash of club soda, almost like a, a sparkling blueberry lemonade. Yep. Uh, and then if I want to do like a slightly more elevated cocktail, I'll mix some of that with some dry vermouth and some Campari as sort of like a Boulevardier riff, just to like a drier, berry forward version. Now my guilty pleasure with the blueberry whiskey is to take like a scoop of vanilla ice cream, drop it into a pint glass, throw two ounces of blueberry whiskey in there, and then top it off with like a lemon lime soda. And Oh yeah. Like in the middle of summer, like a, bl- a blueberry whiskey easy. float kind of thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Mm. That sounds pretty good. So you, you've, you've taken us down that road. I, I want to revisit this 107 in a minute. So you mentioned uh, some single malts. Uh, oh, yes you mentioned the blueberry. What's uh, so and rums. In, I mean, and rums. And, and you've got some rums on. Uh, you've laid down some He's rum teased barrels. a lot today. That's yeah, for sure. did, there's, there's a lot of teasing going on. That's for sure. Which I'm okay with. You know, it's, that means uh, another show. We have to have another show. <laughs> I know. But so, <laughs> so going on. We got a lot of things going on. Yeah. So it sounds like there are no boundaries, right? It's like, Hey, what, let, let's see what we can do. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like as long as it fits within the wheelhouse of like what we're already doing, whether, you know, it's going to be an interesting whiskey. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a bourbon, a rye, a single malt, a weeded bourbon, a wheat whiskey, like we don't care. Like we want to make beautiful whiskey. Um, and there's always going to be like, of course, like we're going to focus in on like our main product lines, you know? So we're always going to be focused on rye fidelity and then big Winston as we kind of ramp up more and more production on, on the bourbon. Um, but our rum, like, we produce one rum. We do this beautiful pot still rum, 100% molasses. It's called Sun Grazer. Absolutely fantastic. It's 80 proof, non-chill filter, rest in a Heaven Hill bourbon barrel for like three months. Um, shockingly flavorful at 80 proof. Great finish at 80 proof. Good workhorse. 
what's happening with that distillate as it's hitting sort of the three and four year mark right now is absolutely fantastic. Like it, I'm just really, really excited for 2025 when I can finally start seeing that it as six year old Rome's at a hundred proof. Cause that's sort of the plan to release it as a six year old bottled and bond rum. I, I hope the patience or the experimentation is still there and the, and the barrels are holding up in the sense that they can spend some more time in there. And we get to see some of your first rum barrels as maybe seven, eight, 10, 12. Uh, Cause I mean, I think the climate in North Carolina can hold up to that. I mean, I don't think you're going to have oh, the, yeah. uh, the evaporation that's going to just completely deplete you. Uh, so that, that, that'd be fun to do, right. To see how they well, go. So, so I, I, it does. I think the, uh, the, uh, upside of aging rum especially in the south is you have you don't have to worry as much as you do about kind of whiskeys getting over oaked yeah. i mean more often than not like with a rum you're not using new charred oak like we don't necessarily want to like rum that's aged in new charred oak ends up tasting closer to whiskey than it does rum i mean sure. like absolutely new chart oak is so wildly aggressive mm -hmm. like i wouldn't want to use that with a rum so right. you know it, it, if you manage to make it down to the distillery like one of my kind of tasting barrels that i kind of semi-regularly go back to for people that come to visit is uh, a rye fidelity barrel that we filled up with sunraiser and it's about three years old right now and it is beautiful it's this sort of dark hay color right now um, you take a whiff of it and you're getting this big, bold green apple element with like this wonderful rye spice that the natural sweetness of the rum shines through. And then you get that wonderful, like tart green apple with the rye spice integrated into all the beautiful flavors we love about our rum as soon as it hits your palate. Um, and all of those would be bottled, non-chill filtered, just like our whiskeys and everything else in the lineup. So, um, they're, they're, I'm really excited for what they're going to be like two, three years from now. As you should be. I mean, what you've already got, um, what you've already got bottle is, uh, just exceptional. Uh, can't, couldn't say enough good things about it. If you don't know, uh, broad branch, uh, yeah, it's time for a, a golf trip to, uh, to North Carolina. Dan, I got a feeling I know where we're stopping in, uh, in November. So, mm -hmm. well, uh, just the I same. Hope so. <laughs> hey, so, so Daniel, so thanks. Thanks so much for your time. I don't want to let you go yet. If you got a couple more minutes, we'd like to do a few couple things. We'd like to get to know Daniel Spivey just a little bit better. Um, so are, are you a golfer? Um, I won't say I'm, I'm a golfer, but I'm really good at being in a golf cart. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Any, uh, any hot spots around, uh, the Winston Salem or the Sandbelt area, uh, that's, that's a go-to there or, or if we're coming into town and we're going to go hit up uh, broad branch, are you sending us anywhere in particular? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the Catherine, which is fantastic hmm. bar and restaurant, French style cuisine in the hotel Kempton. Absolutely fantastic. Wow. They make, a great cocktail, a great, a great meal. Um, we really lucked out and, um, the hotel Indigo, which has a restaurant in it called Sir Winston wine loft was 
able to entice a chef uh, by the name of Digby Stridiron to come in and kind of revamp some stuff for them. Uh, so he's a beard house chef. We're really, really excited about what he's going to bring sort of the food and drink scene in town. Um, on the kind of very local, more casual setup, uh, Bitch and Pizza is absolutely fantastic. Uh, brick fire oven pizza, handmade pastas, everything just simple, not a lot of ingredients, just the best possible things they can source. Absolutely fantastic. Then, you know, we have our, our local kind of burger joints, places like Chin Chin and Hop's Burger Bar. And then back on the cocktail front, um, Fair Witness Fancy Drinks is a fantastic local cocktail bar. We have Tate's Cocktails, Great Bar, um, Vintage Sofa Bar, another great cocktail bar. And the newest place in the town, uh, Ginger Fox Beverage is doing a regular pop-up pretty much every night in one of the village juice locations right downtown. And they are absolutely crushing it right now. Awesome, man. That's a nice. great list. Wow. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all our wonderful breweries. I apologize to, like, all the breweries in Winston-Salem. We have a ton of great breweries. There's Fiddling Fish, Our Neighbors. There's Incendiary, Wiseman, Radar, uh, Hoots, uh, which is the, our neighborhood one. And then uh, Joy Markers out of Greensboro has a fantastic barrel all in the west end of uh, Winston-Salem. Nice. Yeah, I haven't been up to, to uh, Winston-Salem in a minute, but uh, the last time I was there, the, the whole little downtown area was just really booming, man. I mean, just, mm-hmm. It's just exploding, so... Uh, They've been putting a ton of work and a ton of thought into revitalizing our downtown because we have a beautiful downtown that has a ton of history. Um, so over the last five to 10 years, they've, they've invested a lot into revitalizing that and bringing the businesses and restaurants and bars and the retail back to downtown. The Caladium, which is a uh, local kind of science museum geared you know, they have a section of it that's geared towards kids for learning and STEM. And then they have, you know, the more fun adult stuff is building a uh, 30,000 square foot facility right in the middle of downtown Winston-Salem that we're, we're very hopeful will be done sort of end of 2023, beginning of 2024, which is going to be fantastic. Like rooftop event spaces, oh, wow. Full on like IMAX plus kind of screen for laser shows and observatory kind of things. Um, so a lot of great things happening here in Winston Center. Yeah. Cal Cal tends to think of his uh greatest Winston Salem memory is from Bull Durham when uh, <laughs> when Crash goes on this huge rant about like not wanting to be in the miners anymore. Says, ah, blah 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 blah. Ah, I quit. And then he comes back in, who do we play tomorrow? Winston-Salem, <laughs> batting practice 1130. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not saying that's not oh, true. We, we, have, we have two minor league teams here in Winston-Salem. We have the Dash, which is like the, the higher up, I guess, minor league team. And then we have the Disco Turkeys, which I've only been one game. I just love the name so much. The Disco Turkeys. I mean, yes, it's a peacock. It's a Disco Turkey. But their mascot is just sort of like this ridiculous peacock in like white bell bottoms looking... <laughs> 
fantastic. And like every now and then the, the team managers will come out in like, um, like coaches jackets that are covered in the small glass, uh, tiles that you see on disco bars. They'll wear like a team jacket. That's nothing, but it's so good. Tiles. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep them bull Durham alive. Right. So there you yeah, go. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, so- I wish we could turn disco Turkey games into like some kind of like, Super big Winston-Salem party, like anytime they play. I hear hear a sponsorship in Broad Branch Distillery's future coming up. There you go. Disco Turkey, reach out. (laughs) Reach out, Disco Turkey's. Uh, hey, if you're not drinking, I, Dan may have another question. I got one more uh, question. The so only thing did, I would other say would be I would love to see, and this is this is the truth because we're we're birdies and bourbon, so we're a PGA type podcast with bourbon and all, right? And we've seen this with other people, but I would love to see a uh, Manhattan or an old fashioned at the Wyndham with this bourbon. Ooh, nice. I'll work on that. Yeah. I can work on that. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. If you're, Daniel, if you're not drinking uh, a broad branch product, uh, what's your, because you've got a, as I hear, you've got a nice whiskey collection spirit collection, whatever you'd like to say. Uh, what, what's, uh, what, what's a go-to for you? Can we narrow, narrow that down to subcategory of whiskey? Yes. <laughs> That's, it's just a hard question. And then can we also fur, further narrow down to price? <laughs> ooh, ooh, we, okay. Okay. All right. So, so I'm going to go category slash price point. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to even narrow it down farther. I'm going to say bourbon sub $50. Elijah Craig, Elijah Craig barrel pick. Nice. Nice. Give me me a straight Elijah Craig barrel pick nine years or older. And I'm going to be happy every single time. Nice. Yeah. Um, It's good to hear. I get a bit of a heaven heel fanboy from time to times. Um, Denny Potter, the, their ex-head distiller was is probably like one of my favorite distillers. The, the stuff that Denny was doing at Heaven Hill when he was run, running the game over there was fantastic. And, I mean, we can see, like, how much resurgence Makers has had since Denny took over there with the, uh, the Wood Expression series, all, you know, the PR2, FA4, yep. sure. CYXC58. Um, but you know, like Denny Potter's fantastic and I'm always, I'm always going to be excited to, to taste something that he's had his hands in. Nice. Fantastic. Heaven Hill fanboy myself. That's why I was excited to see the Boykin bottled and bond. I don't know if anybody owns more bottled and bond labels than Heaven Hill at this point. So, I mean, that's it. I, I think it's fantastic. Man. What, great, what military great unit were you in? So I was in the Air Force for oh, 20 call years. Sign. It, um, it, it sort of depended on the unit and the year slash deployment, but I did sort of 12 years of tactical communications, then eight years of uh, signals and intelligence. So, yeah, move, moved around a little bit. Moved around a little bit. So we, we had one on before that was call sign Fonda. Can you beat that one? <laughs> yes. But I, it's not necessarily appropriate for this. Okay, form. okay, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm still sort of pro- surprised they made it through uh, net approval for that call sign. 
Um, and then I'm just going to leave it at that. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, on, a, on an ending note, Dan, and, and we'll let, uh, we'll let Daniel tell everybody how they can find uh, broad branch in just a second, but uh, let's talk about the expressions that we had. So we had, Absolutely. we had Frank's reserve. We had rye fidelity at 90 proof. We had rye fidelity at 107 and we had the bottle and bond Boykin. Uh, Dan, what did you like? the best if you had to rank those how would you rank uh, you know them? i've been tasting them and um i'll tell you what that rye 90 was phenomenal the boykin i think was probably my favorite i think just because it's the single barrel and it's it's uh, it's um yeah it blew me away they all blew me away but that one i mean if i had to pick one i'd say probably the boykin yeah i think for me it's it's a toss-up between the Boykin and the anniversary rye. I, I tend to lean towards the anniversary rye because as of right now, there's no planned seven year anniversary rye again. Like this is theoretically at this point, this is the only seven year anniversary rye. Like we're ever going to do. Um, we'll probably do something else in, in that age range. Uh, next year, we're looking at probably an eight year anniversary rye. Um, but I tend to lean towards that anniversary right now. It's just, there's just so much going on there. It, it's it, just so intense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you, uh, Daniel. I'm, I'm one Oh seven anniversary rye fidelity Boykin 90 and then Frank's reserve and not taking anything away from any of them. And it could be different on any given night. I actually saved myself for this one. So I hadn't had anything to drink before. So, you know, I, I was, um, I was being a responsible co-host, I guess. Well, this is my but first may, time may, with two people that were wrong on the podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't. <laughs> Uh, well, Dan, everybody gets their moment, but I'm just saying, uh, but no, I, I think fantastic stuff that you guys are doing, uh, again, the labels, the transparency, uh, if somebody, if anybody in your marketing department or graphics department or wherever they are, if they said, Hey, we're giving them too much information, uh, the hell you are just j- keep, keep giving the information. And I, I, I think that's, what's going to help to continue to, uh, to establish who you are, where you are and what you want to be. And, uh, again, once you pop it, uh, you know, the, the whiskey speaks for itself. It's just, you got to get to a position where you're going to grab the bottle. So, so, so I'm very intrigued because Cal and I both love the, the rum and the single malt. When, when are those coming out? Um, age rum. So we have our, our standard rum sun grazer mm-hmm. three months at right. a nail barrel. Like that's out now. Okay. Yeah. That's been for like a year or so. Um, aged rum, like actual age shaded rum will not hit shelves until we could do a six year age state. Rum. Okay. okay. Um, and that's, that's sort of part of, part of a plan for the larger kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. all going into this bottle mm-hmm. for us. We want by the time we release rum, we want everything in the Genevieve bottle or the taller bottle to be a six year age statement. So like we are, we're walking everything up over the next few years to kind of all coincide with the rum release at six years, a hundred proof. And then that entire sort of line or premium line of taller bottles is coming out like with legitimate age statements mm-hmm. and legitimate proof points. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the plan, whether that comes to fruition or not based off of what we have to do with barrels between now and then. Yeah. 
we will see, but that is that's the the tentative plan right now. I think no matter what, twenty twenty five, you'll see you'll see an age stated. Um, what about the single? What about the single malt? Single malt? We don't know. So I was I was tasting a, our oldest barrel of single malt yesterday because I found it while I was like spider monkeying through barrels. <laughs> And I've been looking for the barrel for a while. I was like, I know this barrel is supposed to be around here somewhere. And I just happened to see it. So like I, I crawled back and pulled a sample and it's delightful. Um, and it's been aging in a bourbon barrel for five, six years now. Oh. But I think, I think we're going to move it into like maybe a cognac barrel wow. or some or almanac barrel to kind of balance out the flavor profile and try to bring in some new kind of interesting fun things. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah. So I would say single malt, um, you may see like a six, seven, eight year single malt sometime in the next like two to four years, or you may not see a single malt until 2025 when we're ready to push out, you know, the rum. Gotcha. Um, nice. It's just sort of a matter of like when the whiskey's ready. Like we haven't released a single malt yet, so we have no idea when our kind of malt distillate is sort of ready for the bottle. And like what we really want sort of that end product to be. We just, we, we got to figure that one out. Um, I'm excited for it because the single malt is delightful. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, you've got some big expectations to fill here after yep. Uh, yep. What, what we've tasted today. So, uh, we, you know, all the best. And um, I'm sure you'll be there. Sounds like you got a, a great, uh, great and committed team. So uh, looking forward to it. Daniel Spivey with Broad Branch Distillery. Where can people find you and how do they drink your whiskey? So currently we're only available in the North Carolina ABC system. If you have, if you live in North Carolina and you walk into your ABC store and you don't see a broad branch product on the stealth, walk up to the front counter, ask for the manager and say, Hey, I would like to order a broad branch product and then tell them what you would like to order. Nice. Um, or if you, or if you, or if you have a friend that lives in North Carolina <laughs> that can do that for you. Right. <laughs> or if you have some of those wonderful, wonderful people that live in North Carolina that will, uh, drive a bottle to you. Yep. 100%. Um, that you can get it that way. Also, um, stop by the distillery. Um, that's, that's always going to be the best place to get something from us. Um, we actually, don't put a ton of stuff into the ABC system just to get the tax structure of the state. Yeah. It makes more sense for us to move it out of the tasting room. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, they can find you on all the socials at. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at broad branch distillery. Um, or you can go to our website, sign up for a mailing list. Uh, we are definitely more active on Instagram. So if you have questions and you're trying to get a hold of someone, either shoot us an email through the website or reach out to us via Instagram. Hey, and if you've got a Boykin, get your ass to the distillery and get a bottle of this uh, bottled and bond Boykin uh, yeah. whiskey, man. It is fantastic. So, Daniel, thanks so much, sir. We really appreciate it. Great stuff you got going on, man. Love it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.